0: Are you looking to get your feet wet in GenAI on your own terms? Check out our free digital course, Build Your Own Custom GPT by Hatchworks. In the course, we teach you step-by-step how to create your own custom GPT so you can start solving some specific problems and use cases in your business with GenAI. Trust me, you're going to wow your co-workers and probably even yourself with this new skill. Check out the link in the show notes or visit Hatchworks.com to get started. Welcome to Build Right a podcast by Hatchworks where we help you learn how to build the right digital product the right way. In this season, we're going all in on generative AI with guests ranging from international AI speakers, founders of Gen AI products, experts in specific domains of Gen AI, and leaders across industries. We're here to help you figure out how to take advantage of this new emerging technology so you can win in the market. So whether you're an AI techie or just AI curious, we got you covered. Let's get into it. Today, we're joined by Matt Pierce, founder and CEO of Immediate, who delivers responsible on-demand pay through early wage access. Really interesting uh, product and solution we'll get into here in a bit. But Matt has two decades of experience in high-growth businesses, including early-stage startups, all the way through IPO. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Excited about the conversation yeah and today we're gonna to be getting into Matt's story of finding product market fit by focusing on a very specific niche. And this is a lesson anyone really can apply to your business, no matter the the size or scale. It's one of those like lifelong first principle kind of lessons you really gotta lean into. and his story is one of the the better ones I've heard of how they focused and then use that to scale. And plus, as always, we're gonna get into how AI, is impacting Matt's business, how they're taking advantage of it, and where he sees the future going. Uh, but before we jump in, give us a bit of a background on you, Matt, your your experience, and kind of what's led you to where you are today. And then we'll get into the the fun part of the story of uh, how you got started with Immediate. It, it is it is funny when you hear almost twenty years.
1: I go, wait, has it been almost twenty years? Like, goodness gracious, uh, time flies. You know, it it's, creeps um, up, isn't it? it really does um so i, I tell people a, a lot i've uh, i've been in sales all my life um and and started as an intern in grad school working for a healthcare technology company i was able to kind of take that and enroll it into a full-time job out of school and ended up being at this company for right at a decade and was fortunate enough to was employed 55 was fortunate enough to get in kind nice. of on the uh Yeah, I got a nice seat on a rocket ship. We built it up and took it public. And I kind of worked my way up in the partnerships world. So when I first came in, I was building a reseller program. I took it from four to 25 partners, and then they let me hire somebody to manage it. And then I moved on to build um, a a national lead gen program, which I built up from essentially nothing. I added 44 partners in the first year. We did 5 million in revenue in the first year there. and, And then they let me hire somebody to manage that. And so... I kind of kept just working my way out of jobs. Right. I'd build something up and then I'd go, all right, I need somebody to manage what, you know, like essentially I need somebody to farm what I've, what I've gone out and and gotten ready for us. And so uh, I ended up, I, I guess they kind of, t- at a certain point said, well, he's done, he's done every job in the, uh, in this, in this division, let's just make him the head of it. And so I got a, <laughs> I got a promotion to, to run in the business development team. And it was about the time that we, Um, we were going public. And so we had a nice IPO in early 2012. And then Vista Equity Partners came along and acquired the business for about $650 million a year and a half later. And and I got to hang around for about a year after that and really learned a lot about private equity-backed companies. And and it was interesting. I'll, I'll share a little bit about this because it, it really helped frame uh, and, and shape a lot of who I am and the way that we've been building this business here is is when I started there, very little process, right? Super heavy on the culture. We, um, I mean, I'm, still some of my best friends are, are from there. I actually met my wife at this company. I mean, it was just like a really good culture of people who were waking up every day, rowing in the same direction. And... Um, and you build and build and build I think we were 850 employees when we sold and um, and learned a ton along the way. but what happens when private equity comes in and, and especially for us, they took us back private and then merged us with two of our competitors. and so you know you 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 blink and wake up and it's uh oh hey, we're 1800 employees and we're in you know five different five different cities and trying to build relationships with a finance team and a legal team and and a field sales team and, and take all that and then bundle it into a private equity playbook where there's very detailed structure. And so that culture shifted very quickly to process. Right. And, um, and, and so I, I've, I always kind of took that as a really solid lesson for Blending culture and process, right? You don't want to be overly processed because then you kind of lose your culture. You don't be overly culture because overly focused on culture because then you kind of lose the process. and And I think as a company and organization grows, that's really the that's really the 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 thing that you have to go through. That's that's going to help you get to that next level. Is how do I how do I keep culture intact? How do we make sure that things are still fun and exciting? But as we grow in scale and you go from, you know, like here at a media, go from me being the only salesperson to now we have eight. How do we make sure that they're all falling in line and, and, and working the right process? And so that's something that I learned early on that I think has carried me through my, my career.
0: Yeah. And it, you hit on an interesting point. I've, I've been through some of this, too. Well, the first thing for listeners, like step back and if you're if you're early in your career. Uh, I think it's Marissa Meyer. It's like, it doesn't matter what seat you get on the rocket ship, just go get a seat. Like, that's a great way to accelerate your career. Um, great to have experience in both small and big companies. But like what Matt just went through, like, you basically probably accelerated, you know, 20 years worth of a career, probably in a, a five year period. 100%. Uh, Absolutely. But the, the one piece you had on process and culture, that was really interesting there uh, is We've had similar things with Hatchworks. When you're a startup and you're small and everybody knows everybody uh it's easy you know you don't need all the process but you start to hit these plateaus like as you were talking through that i'm like man we've we've gone through these th- same things of you know getting to i've heard of it in people numbers or revenue numbers it's like you hit the million in revenue kind of hits a plateau hit about 10 million 100 million uh and there's these different pain points as you go and and grow but it's kind of interesting to hear that that story as you as you go there uh, in the process piece, that'll be interesting we'll get your take on that later as we start to get into a i and where does that fit in with automating some of these pieces, and you know maybe it accelerates things. Even hundred uh, percent, it
1: it it really
0: does. Um, yeah. And I don't want to skip ahead, but there's there's definitely some things
1: that AI is bringing to the table that, that is is helping organizations as they scale and kind of going through those processes. But um, just to round just to round that out, I um, after I left there, I I spent a few years uh, I spent two years at a company up in Boston, and a year out a company out in L.A. and 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 really, uh, you know. I think that there's, you know, I guess like this, the mindset that comes from an entrepreneur is I, I knew in college that this is what I wanted to do. I obviously had no clue what kind of company I was going to start. I I felt like I was a natural born leader and I felt like I, um in some cases I thought I might be unemployable. I've got opinions and um you know what I mean? <laughs> and so there's, there's this piece. It's like a great track for entrepreneurship. <laughs> exactly. I just remember sitting yeah. in a class in college and being like, I just don't know if I want to work for somebody. And and we all work for somebody, right? But it's but it's also, I knew that that's where I wanted to get. And so I was like, what what are the steps and the process that I could take? And so when I had that opportunity to join that company right out of college or when I was still in grad school and then joined right out of college, I was like, this is a time for me to go in and lean in and learn. And so I I, I was very deliberate about the the selection uh, that I made. I I could have gone to work. I matter of fact, I had a, had a job offer right out of grad school to move to LA and get into the um to get into the entertainment industry like from an agent perspective, like be an agent in training, which I think now about goodness gracious, how how different would my life be? You know? Um I went out there and did like a two-week interview process and got the job offer and it was going to be like uh, an agent and training for celebrity voiceover work. We're talking like oh three oh four when that was like just getting going. Like now you see you know you hear celebrities on all the advertisements. Back then that was kind of unheard of. And so it was a just different path. But I remember when I was going through the like the checklist, the pros and cons on that decision of is this going to help me get closer to to starting a company and and being my own boss, or is this going to take me way out of my comfort zone and put me into a place where what if I really love this and I'm here the rest of my life? I'm, a, I'm like a, a West Coaster the rest of my life. And I just, just didn't know if that's what I wanted. And obviously, I, I for me, at least, I made the right decision. And so I, I kind of was seeking that when I left. Um, I went and worked for this company in Boston, learned a good bit there, got to like really rebuild a growth organization, which is an important piece of the puzzle. And then I got picked up by a, a pre-series A company out on the West Coast. And in my mind, it was all right, I'm gonna go do this again, right? This is a pre-Series A. I was employee like 25, good equity slug. And let me go, let me go build this thing. And this is gonna be a big West Coast pop. And um, and I just got burned out. I was traveling out there uh, every three weeks. I was traveling all the country, I was kind of like a team, like a, a team of one. And I just got burned out and uh and about a year into it, we we parted ways and um and I kind of sat down and go, All right, like now's the time. And I started doing growth, like growth consulting, just to see if I could find the place that I wanted to go. Really sink my teeth into starting a business, which led to starting Immediate. So I know that's kind of like a little abbreviated, a little extended, but um, but it, it just kind of shows that that my my mindset from you know the early two thousands when I was in college was I'm going to start a business, period. Right? And um, and 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 even when when we had that exit. I you know I didn't go out and buy a flashy new car and and uh, do all the things that sometimes people do when they when they make money and it wasn't like it wasn't retire money but it was uh you know it was pay off your house money um and and it was you know with, with some left over and as opposed to me doing that what I did was I put that money set it aside and said this is the money I'm going to use to start a company one day and um and so it was uh it was a, a lot of build up to where we are today to foundationalize and make sure that I was in
0: the best place to succeed. Yeah, it's it's funny how serendipity plays into things in your career. I love hearing people's career journeys, but it's also putting, putting yourself out there for the at-bats. Like I look back when I first started, I, I got my first job, somebody put out on Facebook. And this was back in the day when Facebook was still, you know, the new thing with uh, just in college. And they said, hey, our company needs some interns. And I was like, I don't have a job yet. So <laughs> that led me down this like, meandering path to where I am, but it's just, you know, it's so random how things kind of work out, but in the, in the end, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, love hearing those journeys.
1: I prescribe to the, um,
0: the mindset that life doesn't happen
1: to you. It happens for you. And, uh, and I think if you, if you take that, you, you take that into everything you're doing and look, sometimes it's hard to believe that. And sometimes it's, it's hard to get on board. And there may be people that are listening like, Crap! I'm I'm in a I'm in a tough spot. I don't feel like this has happened for me. You know, um, I, I I can look back on some of the some of the darkest days, uh, some of the toughest times, some of the times when I wasn't really sure if this was ever going to work out. And and, and even here, there's been times where I've you know I've I've laid awake at, at night staring at the ceiling fan, uh, just going like, what have I done? You know, like is this is this going to work? And um, and I think everybody goes through that in some, some phase of their life. But I think when you can kind of take that as like, all right, hey, I'm here, right? Um, what am I going to do about it? And how am I going to use what I've learned and where I am to spring forward? And if I can, if I can leverage this, then I'm going to be in, in a really good spot coming out of it. And, and hey, if I'm not, I'm going to take that same mindset. Uh, you, your mindset can really, can really play with you, you know? And, um, and I just think that there's, there's so much power in being able to, to shift your thinking. And I know that that's, uh, I can, I, I can, I can sit here and say this cause I've been practicing it and doing it for a long time. Um, and you know, my wife and I have this discussion sometimes where she'll be, you know, worried about something, upset about something. I go, just don't think about it. And she'll go, just don't think about it. Like, that's just not an option. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and I do think that there's probably some like, um, man versus woman in that where the compartmentalization, like. Guys, by and large, do a really good job of that, and women have a tougher time to 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 to, to compartmentalize things. Um, but w- I'm, I'm thinking less about compartmentalizing and more about like, w- what is me worrying about this going to do to make it better versus me like going into action, right? like so as opposed to thinking about all the things that are going bad i i think a lot about like you got to think about solutions like think about the solution to the problem not not just fester on the problem and and i think that that's one of the things that just like through my career has helped has helped me
0: and guided me to where i am um and still use pretty frequently so yeah it's it's what's in the span of your control uh to a certain extent and then it's that unlock you mentioned there like when you're going through the pain just realize that that's going to be Something that's making you stronger, you're gonna look back on. Like I, I look back when we went through COVID, you know, it just seemed crazy for like specifically for our company and Hatchworks, but we learned so much through that experience as a company that now when we hit a a speed bump or a roadblock, it's like, okay, we've we've done this before, you know, we've been through this. Um, and it's like building muscle uh to a to a certain extent, right? Uh, but I want to ask you like get to kind of a philosophical question here. What's your definition of product market fit? And then let's get into kind of the early days of immediate and how you found that. Yeah. It's, um,
1: it's, uh, you know, it's um, to define it is, um, is hard uh, to me at least, because I think every, every company, every platform, uh, every product are going to have a little bit of different, different um, way of looking at it. You know, we're, for us as an organization, <clears throat> I felt like we got to product market fit when when we started selling to people that we didn't know. It, it, you know, the, the first the first few customers was like, oh, you know, well. Uh hey, my brother runs uh my brother runs a company and he's got twenty five employees. Like, let's go get them. Like, oh hey, friends and family stage. Right. (laughs) Right, exactly. I I mean, I was the one of our first customers was the coffee shop that I was working out of because I was working there every day. My wife tells me I'm too loud and I can't work from home. And so, so I would go, I would go to one coffee shop in the morning, I'd come home, I'd have lunch with her, and then I'd go to another coffee shop in the afternoon. And um, and so this one and they went in, there one day and they were like, "You're here like every day. What are you? What are you doing?" And I was just like, "Hey, sales pitch time, you know." And so I still knew them, right? There was that. So I I felt like when we kind of got over that hump, and I would say probably more so not even just the one time because lightning can strike. When we got to a place where we could sell people that we didn't know um, uh, on a repeatable in a repeatable way, right? And that was when it started to click. And it took us <clears throat> post. Post first customer, I'd say it probably took us um, seven or eight months to get to a place where we were really selling people we didn't know. Um, and and that's so that for us, at least, that's where I felt product market fit kind of started com- coming into play. where We felt really it's like, all right, we've built something that works and that people will buy and that people will use. Um, so now we're good. Let's see how we can pour gas on the fire and repeat what we've been doing.
0: Yeah, I like that definition. I've never heard of it. Uh... Told in that way, but it's almost like a test, a litmus test of okay, are, are there people outside of my immediate circle uh, interested in in buying this? That's a, that's a great test. That's I like that. I've never heard of it referred to. In yeah, I and mean,
1: the flip side, of if 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 you can't sell your friends and families, you're pr- you're probably going to have a tough time selling strangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, so that that felt like a pretty good place for us.
0: Cool. It, so take us down like any kind of early. Um, like what was that journey like in the early days to start getting to scale? Any, any kind of anecdotes or interesting stories along the way? Yeah, my, um, my, er, my early sales stories are some of
1: my, <clears throat> some of my favorite, um, just because you've got to be scrappy, right? Um, you don't have referenceability. We used to, we used to laugh, um, our CTO and I, cause people would ask for references early on and they'd say, you know, can, can we talk to, uh, senior living company that's on ADP that's you know over a thousand employees. And I would go, let me let me see if I can let me see if I can pull together a reference for you. And I'd I'd go back and I'd look at my spreadsheet and I'd go, we have seven customers and the largest is 140 employees and none of them are on ADP. And so I would go, I would, I would send an email and I would say, still working on the ref the ADP specific reference, but I, fa- I found you one that's senior living, and I'd like for you to talk to so and so, right? And then I would just keep my fingers crossed that that would go well enough that they would come back and say, you know, I don't need the ADP specific reference, you know? And so, um, so you do have to do things that are a, a little, a little scrappy early on. And for us, we, we really made a decision that we were going to focus. In, um, healthcare initially, and then, um, also try to focus on kind of quick service and fast food restaurants. Largely because the, the solution that we offer, it's a, it's a voluntary financial wellness benefit. It's, you mentioned at the beginning, but it essentially allows employees the ability to get their to access their pay in between paydays. So something unexpected happens. I don't have to turn to run up credit card debt, write and bad check, title, payday loan, et cetera, right? I can go in and say, Hey, I've already earned money. I can access a portion of that. And we do it for free to an immediate card, or a three dollar transaction fee, to um, to their own bank issued debit card or bank account. And so, all this to say, we looked and said we believe that primary users of this will be making less than, call it, thirty dollars an hour. So, where are companies with a high volume of people making <clears throat> less than thirty dollars an hour? And that's typically like healthcare, as in senior living, and and like home health, home care and uh, physician practices. And then obviously fast food. We see it all the time, right? You'll go drive down the road and you'll see a billboard that says, you know, now hiring starting at 16 bucks an hour, 18 bucks an hour. And so we're like, all right, let's go do that. And so and I actually had these little cards made. Um, I might have one in my, my desk here. Um, I do with this under a pile of stuff and I don't want to shuffle around, but I had these little cards made that, um, that said, uh, had a QR code on the back that went straight to our website. And, um, on the front, it said, you worked today. Why wait to get paid? And, um, oh, there you go. I got the marketing the copy fl- going. I like it, right? Yep. And and this was when I was, do, I was the only marketing guy and I'm going like, I think this goes well, you know? And, and, um, and so I came up with this, um, this tagline that was like our first tagline. It was your pay your way. And there was a QR code on the back. And so I would hand those out. I would, I would go through the drive-through and I would say, um, hey, do you mind me asking you a really personal question? And people hear hear that and they think, like, well, what is a really personal question? And they go, Um, you know, sometimes people be like, I don't think so. And but by and large, people go, Yeah, you know, you know, they're handing me my food. And I go, What how how often do you get paid? And they say, Oh, oh, you know, then then they're like a little the defensive nature goes away because, like, that's not that personal personal. They didn't ask me how much I get paid, they just said how how often. And so most of them go, you know, I get paid every other Friday or every Friday or whatever. And I go, do you have the ability to get paid in between paydays? And, and most of the time they would say, no, we don't. And I go, wouldn't it be cool if you could access your own money? there?" yeah. And I go, I got a solution for that. And I give them like, a, you know, it, it helped me to tighten up this like 20 second elevator pitch, right? Like, hey, we got a platform that allows you that, that connects to your time tracking system and lets you get paid in between paydays for a nominal transaction fee. Would you give that to your boss? And we used that. We kept doing that. We were doing that over and over and over and over and over again. And then. I would start, you know, I'd find out if it was a franchise operator or if it was, there's one group, um, so we're headquartered in Birmingham. There's one group that's headquartered here and they've got like 25 locations and all corporate owned. And so I found, you know, I found the, the, the CEO's contact info. And so then I'd, I'd send them an email. Every time I do that, I'd send an email and I go, uh, I go, Hey, um, went to the, the location over on, uh, over in Wildwood. And they said, they'd love this. This is the, this is the 12th time I've had somebody say this, like we should get together. Like, let me share something with you. And. And um and so finally uh, he gave me a call and we got on the call and he goes, I've been hearing about this from all the managers at the stores that there's some guy who's dropping cards off in the drive thru, you know? And and so um I was like, Persistence. Well, I'll what, like Right, you got to stick with it. And I said, "Tell you what, give me a give me an opportunity to share this whole presentation with you. And if it doesn't work out, I won't drop off any more cards at your your locations." He goes, "All right, cool, let's do it." Right. And so uh, they end up becoming a customer. They've got about a thousand employees. They have forty four percent enrollment. Like our average enrollment is anywhere from fifteen to twenty five. They're at forty four percent enrollment, and the reason for that is because there's so many people that are kind of in that that target market, like right they're they're in that pay band where we see a lot of a lot of success, and so. So that was that one of the core values of our company is, uh, which at the time we didn't have them, you know, I kind of came up with them as we went and then formalized. them. one of one of our core values is tenacity. Right. Like we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep chipping away. We're going to work hard. And um, because I believe that in the long in the long run, just being tenacious is is what's going to get you over the hump. And um, and so. We, we did that with groups like, uh, like that fast food chain. We've done some, we've done some other pretty creative things, but I, I really, it's funny because when you're in those days, you you can't savor it as much as you'd like, because you're kind of sitting there going like, you know, it's a little bit of like, um, kill or be killed. You you've got to, you know, you've, you've got to get some deals done because you've got a finite amount of money. I, I think at that point we had raised maybe a million, million and a half dollars or something. And, and we were, you know burning a decent bit of cash. And I'm, I'm just out there going like, Oh, we got to win. Like, all right. You you small Mike, you know, micro celebration. And then you move on to the next one. And, and I, I don't feel like I got to savor that as much in, in those days, how pivotal those early wins were and, and, and still are to the company. Um, and so I, I think now as you continue to grow and scale and you start putting a team in place, it, it helps me to remember that like, Hey, you know, later today, me and one of our, uh, our sales guys have a meeting with a, with a 9,000 employee company and they sign up, it's going to be a big win. Like, let's pause and celebrate that, you know? Um, so those are some good learnings along the way.
0: Yeah. So for the the listeners, two, two key pieces to take away from what Matt just walked through. The first one is focusing on a specific niche in customer base. He mentioned healthcare and then fast food. He had a very specific target versus 15 different targets, spray and pray and not get anywhere and then second, I love this this approach is kind of the the bottoms up, user led growth. You know, starting with the people. Kind of you, know, you see companies like uh, Slack and others very similar approach. You know, if you just went to the CEO directly and kept pounding on his door, you probably wouldn't have got anywhere. So you almost got this like social proof from the bottom. So two really key things to to think about and apply to whatever you're doing uh, there. But let's let's shift now to the AI uh, conversation. So a couple of places we could take this. I'd love to hear uh, how this is, A, either impacting your business or how you're looking to take advantage of it, the first two pieces. And then we'll get into kind of where you think this is going to go into the future as this starts to evolve, because things are evolving rapidly right now. Right. It's, it's
1: interesting. There's a couple of different ways it's, it's helping us and I'll, I'll focus on two. So one is, one is kind of just the administration and, um, and the, the operational aspect of how our platform works. And then secondarily is, is more on like the sales, sales marketing aspect of it. So from an operational perspective, one of the things that we learned early on was that um, from time to time, people may try to take advantage of of a system, right? Um, For us, the way that we allow people to access money is you clock in and clock out, right? So whatever system you're using at work, when you clock in and clock out, we look at it, we go, all right, Matt just clocked out. I'm going to use easy math because it's early in the morning. Um, Matt just clocked out a 10-hour shift and he makes 20 bucks an hour. You just earned 200 bucks, right? Um, we give you typically up to 50% of that. You can access up to 50% of that. So, um, so what we found was we would have people sometimes that go in and go, you know what, I'm kind of over this job and I'm going to quit on Friday. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to clock in at 6am and then I'm going to either have my buddy clock me out or I'm going to clock out at like midnight and I'm going to get 18 hours of work, 18 times 20. Now I'm testing myself three 360 dollars and I'm just gonna pull out that 180 before they before they know and then I'm you know I got 180 dollars and so we we had some you know for lack of better term some, some fraud early on and um, we had to figure out how to fix that right um, it, it, when, when you're small those those uh, wallet it, wallet it hurt you know I'd be like oh we had to give up225 dollars you know like I, like now we're you know we're processing millions and millions and millions of dollars every month. And um, and so, um, you know, it, the, it's a lot bigger. We got to figure out those things when it's small. And so, what we did was um, our CTO and his team went in and, and said, what if we started to leverage AI to create a running 60 day average for every employee based off of their employee ID on what their average workday looks like? And then let's create this matrix inside the system that says if Matt typically works a six hour shift, and all of a sudden one day he comes in and clocks out a 15 hour shift. Well, that's greater than whatever the, the, um, the delta is, right? I think we would usually put like a 20 or 25% cap. And so if, if it's typically a six hour shift and you clock out a 15 hour shift, what we would do is we leverage that AI to go, Hey, we, we recognize this is out of the ordinary. We're going to flag that and not give you access to that money. Until it's either approved by your manager or cleaned up in the system, we what we would always default to is, hey, this is well beyond your average workday. We assume this is a mistake. If it's not, can you get your uh, your manager to approve it, right? And so, what do we do? We saw fraud drop. I mean, it was like you know, it dropped like a lead balloon. It was beautiful, and so we leveraged, and when we started doing that. Three years ago, um, and so we started leveraging AI for operational things like that pretty pretty early on. So now you kind of fast forward to where we are today, and Chad GPT and and I mean you know everybody's got there. Um, I say everybody, most companies now have some form or aspect of AI that they can leverage. And and what we've started really doing is is using it in in sales, marketing, outreach, et cetera, where it can kind of help you form that. Um, to form the outline of what you're trying to do, I'll give you an example. Um, we had a webinar that we just hosted earlier this week, and um, our mar- one of the ladies on our marketing team um was on maternity leave. She's back now, but while we were while she was out, she does most of our copy, and I was just like. Who, who's going to do this, right? This is a big webinar. We're going to big companies. Like, let's make sure that we've got something that really pops. And so what we did was kind of, um, by committee, we were like, we're going to go through this thing and tweak it and make it sound really good, but let's start with chat GPT. And so we just gave it some props, right? Like, Hey, this is a webinar for earned wage access. Here's the title of it. Here's who's going to be participating. Um, here's the tone. Here's some of the details we want to get across. And here's the reason that people should join. And it, you know, in minutes, seconds, it outputs like a really good framework that we could then go in. So as opposed to us spending an hour, ninety minutes, kind of formulating all this, we took the framework and then we tweaked it and adjusted it and made it like really tight and added in some of our own stats and things like that. And in less than twenty minutes, we we had a really good um, a really good invitation kind of out outreach email for that. And so the, those are things that I think the. The really clear when is to find the way you can use that and associate it. I mean, I, I would uh, I would assume, and I don't know for a fact, but I would assume that some of our salespeople are probably using something similar when they're doing outreach. Like, hey, I'm going to outreach to this thirty thousand employee fast food chain. And, um, and I could sit here and toil for two hours over all the right things I'm going to say and not say. And I don't want it to be longer than six sentences because people zone out and all those things, right? And you could drop it in and go, here, now I've got, now I've got a, a formula and I'm going to go in and kind of, kind of tweak it. So th- those are the places that we're, we're really using it today and where we're seeing, um, pretty impactful value from it.
0: Yeah. And you're doing it the right way. And we, we talk to clients. It's identify of your existing processes, you know, where are the most mundane, the most repetitive or the most painful? It's like those three things start there because it, it is with any change, it takes time for people to process and adapt to it. But if you can get a quick win and that fraud example is amazing, you almost unlock a piece in in your team's brain of like, wow, this, this thing actually is Pretty powerful, pretty capable, and then they start thinking of other use cases that may be other existing processes, or it may be something uh, wholly, you know, new altogether, right? So that's that's such a great place to start. And we're doing something similar at at Hatchworks. We call it our generative driven developments. And the unique thing, like your copy example, was great. But what what is code? You know, it is a language as well, so it, it works the same way. So we're building. Uh, you know, within the framework, ways to get to uh, code quicker, testing, regression testing, you can start to apply these same pieces to software development. So we're starting to find a lot of interesting and unique uh, use cases there. So, you know, to, to that point, one of the
1: things that I've, the way I've, I've kind of thought of AI is like a really bright, really smart intern. Yeah. Right. So think about this thing. Like Hatchworks goes in the summer, you go, hey, we got this intern from Harvard and they come in and, and your CFO goes, hey, we're, we're starting to plan for 2025. Can you put together a pro forma? I'm going to give you our historicals. You put together a pro forma of what you think it's, it's going to look like. I can tell you Harvard, you know, if it's a Harvard MBA and they're interning, it's going to be a good looking spreadsheet. It's going to have a lot of tabs and there's going to be some real. But it's not going to be 100 percent accurate. right? There's there's going to be some things that because they haven't been at that company long enough, they haven't been in this field long enough, in the space, whatever it is, there's going to be, there's gonna be a, a gap. And that gap may be 10% and maybe 40%. But the idea that CFO is not going to go, I'm going to let this Harvard intern go build this pro forma that I'm going to slide in front of the board. They're going to go, I'm going to let him do the heavy lifting. And then I'm going to pull it in and I'm going to go, all right, let me take this and tweak it and adjust it. And that's the way I kind of think of AI with a lot of these, a lot of these processes like that, like what you just talked about. And what I talked about from a sales perspective is let's allow our team to leverage AI, to give us the framework, and then let's take that. And then let's make it, let's, let's, let's make the tone us. Let's make the, let's add the data points in there. Let's get it the rest of the way. And, and if we do that, that, that becomes operating with more efficiency, which means we can touch more people, we can touch more companies, we can get more uh, more content out, things of that nature.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's so. There's two points I completely agree with you on. There's one I disagree with you on there. Uh, so I think it's more than an intern. I would almost equate it to, you know, uh, uh, based on the persona you give it, right? PhD, multiple degrees, whatever. Yeah, fair but point. The piece yep. I agree with though, whether it's an intern or somebody highly skilled you put them in your organization, they're not going to add a ton of value if they don't have the context. And the the third point you mentioned that is critical, and this is where I think some people get stuck, is they'll start with something generic and they get something generic out. The data, uh, whether it's how you're prompting or whether it's like if you're getting more advanced, the data you're leveraging within the GPT or whatever tool you're using, that's where it starts to really unlocks some things. It's almost like you're giving it that central brain that's unique to your organization, your situation, whatever it is. Uh but that's where it starts to get really interesting. But if you if you're not applying that core piece of it, the context, the data, you know, it's 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 cool, it's kind of like a magic trick, but is it adding real value? So there's um interesting piece there. So in the future last point I'll ask you where where do you think this goes like i mean if you look back to like 2022 to where we are now there's been so much advancement where where do you see this going whether it's how it impacts the labor market or just broader economy or smaller use case anything that kind of sticks out in your head with where this potentially goes
1: it's it's hard for me to like like to to put a thought out there about where it goes but but what i can say is that if you're not leveraging it you're missing out right and i think every company is going to find ways that you can you can tighten up processes you can create more efficiencies you know of course like when when we started when we started leveraging ai for our our time tracking validation like there were some people here that were kind of like wait it it did that like how's is my job safe like you know am, are you going to now are you going to take those you know like support for instance they go Are you gonna take our top 10 support tickets and then replace me with that and and the answer was no we're not but hey you know what we are gonna if if we do have our top 10 support tickets and and some like some of ours our, our number one support ticket is i need a new activation code our activation codes time out after like 30 days and so if you don't enroll in the first 30 days and then you decide you know whatever six weeks later you have an unexpected event well, that's a really easy one to leverage AI on. And quite frankly, if I'm, a support, if I'm a support rep, I'm going to go, I don't want to log into the system, click, generate new, new activation code. And so that's just a mundane task, like you said, right? And so to me, it's as it continues to grow and evolve, it's not necessarily that we're going to go in and go, at least for us, right? We're not going to go in and go, all right, well, now we can take our, our support team of whatever, eight people down to, uh, down to six because we've replaced all this, we're going to go. Hey, we're going to keep growing, and so now, as opposed to having to have an, a new support rep for every thirty thousand employees, we can do it for every fifty thousand employees. Well, what does that do to the company? It creates a, a, a more profitable business, right? It enhances our our gross profit margins, and so I think that that's that's the the way that. As a business owner, not even a business owner, as as a person in the business world, if you can figure out ways that you can leverage AI to create broad efficiencies for what you do in your day in and day out responsibilities, if you can do that, you're going to get ahead. Right. And so I think that's what's going to happen in the future is you're going to see. Um, the companies and individuals who leverage it move forward more quickly. Uh, and you're going to see the laggards just kind of starting to fall behind. And so I, I do think it's obviously it's here to stay. I do think that there's a ton of value that comes from it. And I think the people that are thinking about like, oh gosh, it's going to take over the world. Like that stuff is so, that stuff is so like far off uh, in my opinion, but what it is is, and any, and Hey, maybe you're right. But if that happens 30 years from now, let's try to make the most of it for the next 30 years because it's here and it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, so I do feel like that's, that's kind of the, the the best I can give you on that. I'm I'm not smart enough to tell you where I think it's going to go, but I am smart enough to tell you that I think that the people who are leveraging it are going to get ahead.
0: Yeah. But the most important piece you hit on it, it ties into where we started, right? It's kind of that entrepreneurship piece of it. Just Just start playing around with these tools. I can't stress that enough. Um, so many individuals and even companies are like, oh, we got to figure out our governance. We got to go hire the the fancy like, you know, data scientist person to lead this. It's like, no, just empower your people to start um and empower and get them excited about it to just start using it. Uh That that's the key piece. And then let let just natural uh the natural learning start to evolve from there. And one one quote I've heard. It was from a friend. He doesn't know where it came from. I got to find out so I can properly attribute it. But he said, "AI will change your life, whether you embrace it or reject it, right? It's it, you know. So it's kind of your which side are you going to be on? Are you um, kind of riding this this train in a positive way, or you know, is it impacting you uh, in a negative way? And I think to your point, we'll we'll see how how far it goes. Uh, but no, really good insight there." But Matt, this has been awesome having you on the Built Right podcast. Where can people find either you or more details about Immediate?
1: So uh, learn more about Immediate on our website. It's joinimmediate.com. Um, there's um, tons of content on there and we've got it broken down for employees and for employers. We are a benefit. So you have to go through your m- employer if you want to offer this. But uh, joinimmediate.com is a great place to find. And then I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So... Um, you can search me on there. Just throw a Matt Pearson immediate and I'll pop up. And, and so uh, happy to connect with anybody who listens and, and uh, wants to follow along on the journey. Great. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Built Right. If you enjoy the show, give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. For more info on Built Right, visit us at hatchworksbuiltright.com as GenAI reshapes industries understanding and leveraging its capabilities is no longer an option it's a necessity and that's exactly why at hatchworks we developed our GenAI innovation workshop in this workshop we immerse you into a full day of learning hands-on ideation and building we hit foundational concepts and show you how they relate to your domain Then we develop actual use cases for your business and your industry. And we even build a custom GPT based on the use cases we define. Check out the link in the show notes or visit Hatchworks.com to get started today.